This is episode six of Hoops Forum presented by Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and I'm joined again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. As always, we want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're in the market for a team dealer, look no farther than 323 Sports. 323 Sports can help you with gear, equipment, apparel, really anything that you need for your sports program. So to find out more about what they can do for your sports organization, visit 323sports.com, or you can get in contact with a rep today, sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports team. For the first time in this show's history, Randy and I are excited to have a guest with us. Uh, we have one guest joining us right now, and hopefully we'll have another one here coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but we'd like to welcome to the show Coach Burton Uaro. He's the head men's basketball coach at Bob Jones University. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Some might be a bit confused as to why basketball coaches are free on a Friday night. Typically, yeah. they have game, they have games going on. A little bit unique time of the year right now. Coach Uaro does have a game tomorrow. He and I have a game tomorrow. And Coach uh, Whitehart, who will be joining us here in just a few moments, he's in the middle of a little break before the playoffs start. And so with that in mind, we wanted to have these guys in to talk to us about kind of end of season preparations and what that looks for. Coach Whitehart, thanks for joining us tonight. Glad to have you here with us. Glad you can have me just running in from a scout. So it's one <laughs> one. One face to the next. That's right. Well, we're going to kind of incorporate all of that into what we're doing here. So, like I said, end of season as well as playoff preparations is our topic for tonight for our Hoops Forum. Our Twitter poll, we do one of these things each week. Uh, if you haven't been a part of these already, you can you can jump in and, and vote on these polls each week. You can find these on my Twitter account and then also on Randy's Twitter account. But our, our Twitter poll this week, are your late season practices considerably different? than your early and mid-season practices? And if so, what changes? Despite all the lopsidedness that I see in this poll, I actually was a little surprised that only 17% said that they didn't change much. Um, I'll start with you, Coach Whitehart. Your response to this poll would be what? You know, we're, we're a lot shorter this time of year. We, um, we're we trying to um, just fine-tune things. We Early in the year, we might go two, two and a half hours. Right now, we're about an hour to an hour and 15 hours. We're trying to conserve legs, and we're just adding in wrinkles and adjustments, small things. I'm not trying to overwhelm them, trying to recreate the will. At this point, we're mm -hmm. trying to keep it simple so our kids aren't overwhelmed. So we're in about an hour, hour and 15, and we're done. Yeah, I would say pretty much say the same thing. You know, I tweeted out the other day about – what you're doing right now is is taking things away. I don't I don't really think that it should be part of your in year in year out philosophy to be adding things right now. I think that makes your guys not trust in what you've been doing all year. And I I really think the more that players have to think through things, the more slow they become, and you want them to act instinctual. And so you know we tried things through a regular season, and we've got enough data right now about what works and doesn't work. And I would look more at Coach Whitehart said, I would rather have a hard 45 minute an hour of practice than I would trying to add things and try to do everything with X's and O's. Your X's and O's should be pretty refined by right now. About like preparation for actual games themselves. Like this, does the preparation change for a po an opponent, even if it's an opponent that you play, that you're playing again? So somebody that you've played earlier on in the year. Does anything about that, whether that is a scout like you guys are just doing there, Coach Whitehart, or 
film or anything connected to that? Does it does a scout from earlier in the season look any different from scout right now in the season? We're habitual, man. Our kids know what's coming at them. I and mean, we do we're we're so regimented in our in our preparation and our pregame. I mean, everything down to a T. Our kids could be blindfolded and walk you through everything that we do. Um, we just don't change anything. We've been successful in what we're doing. Um, and we're just, again, we keep it simple. They know what's expected. And I think now if you start throwing in curveballs and acting, starting to add on all these additional scouting mechanisms, I feel like you lose your kids. Um, they know what's expected. They know um, what we're playing for at this point in the postseason. So, you know, there again, you, you, you stay with what your regimen is. For, for myself, during my, my time as a coach, I, w- I actually responded no. I was one of the no, the 17% that, that that practices. I guess it was that word considerably that kind of made me want to answer no. They, they didn't look considerably different from a different time of the year. And I, I would echo what Coach Whitehart said about re- creatures of habit and routine. You, you hear that all the time, whether it be NFL or NBA, kind of like, this is what our Tuesday is and this is what our Wednesday is and things like that. Like I, I, I do think there's, there's value to having sort of that cycle of game preparation. That's sort of like, we know what to expect when it's this practice two days out of a game, one day out of a game. And I, I was really reluctant to alter that. So I answered, no, they wouldn't look considerably different because I tried to sort of start to build that cycle as early as I could in you know, as soon as we could convene practices with our players. Burton, for us playing, we'll be playing an opponent that we haven't played in a year. Um, And so even preparing for somebody like that, and then the possibility of preparing for somebody the very next day who we have already played, but it's already been a considerable amount of time. um, What, what changes or what adjustments do you have in mind? Or even like how, how, what approach are you hoping that the players will take or that you'll take to prepare them for that? You know, we always say as coaches that you don't want a championship on the day of the game. You do it in the months and weeks in preparation for it. And I think that, you know, both of us know what's coming. We do a good job scouting. And, you know, there's only so many flare screens, cross screens, whatever you're going to face. And I feel like we, we all of our practices work on defending those actions. And so with our young team, you know, the only thing I might change just because we've never played them and we're going to face them in a conference tournament is just give them some film. You know, I don't want them to be overly concerned with anybody else, but I do want them to, to be familiar enough with the style. So we don't spend the first five minutes of the game, you know, trying to adjust. And so I may do a little bit more film. You know, I think one thing that I would change this type of year, it wouldn't be a thing to change, but just a time amount of, of free throw shooting, you know, game like shooting stuff like that. I think a lot more shooting right now and we already spend a ton of time shooting in our practices but I think we're doing a lot more right now and it's just parts of our actions or something like that that we're incorporating into shooting drills and, and kind of care, taking care of a couple of things at one time. Yeah. Coach Whitehart, do you have them shoot outside of practice like are, do you tell them to shoot a certain amount of shots outside in addition to shooting in practice? Well, I'm going to give a shout out here. We've got a new facility here right in Milton area. It's called Shoot 360. I mean, it is state of the art with everything the NBA um, uses as part of what they do in their format. So our kids live in there outside of practice. For us to have that in our backyard is unbelievable. But for example, today's practice was 100% hour and a half of nothing but breakdown drills out of our offense in shooting. 
We didn't run offense. Everything was individual getting shots up for an hour and a half within all the um, schemes that we do, whether it be split action, whether it would be um, coming off a double down, whatever it was, everything was an hour and a half of shooting within our offense broken down in drills. Yeah, I think this time of year when, when, when I reflect back specific to, to actually like this exact date would be playoff time for, for where I coached. We're in bracket play right now. So we would be in bracket play right now. So I, I felt like we could be more efficient then because, you know, now the JV and the freshmen, they're kind of gone and it's just my 12 girls or guys or whatever. And, and, and we could, we could really get, you know, move, move a little quicker, move a little, uh, you know, more efficiently, have a little bit better player to coach relationship ratio, because uh, now it's just it's just the varsity team and the bracket play with my full staff there. So, you know, we, we could probably get a little bit done, a little bit more done with 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 just a smaller group and better coach to player ratio during this time of year. So that that's something that I, I, um, I always look forward to that that period of time, not only because it's the most fun time of the year and, the, and everyone gets excited about the playoffs. But but, man, we can really. We, we, we can split, you know, send three coaches, different goals, working on different things with smaller groups and, 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 and really kind of feel like we're really, really, you know, drilling deep. How much five on five do you all do? And uh, like, to what degree is it putting a certain amount of time on the clock? Is it three possessions? Is it just in the half court? Um, how much do you feel is, is proper for this time of year? And then as that, kind of tailors then to um, the games. So when, let's say that you play that you play next next Thursday or next Friday. Um, will that change at all, the amount of five-on-five five you do as you get closer to that game? For us, I mean, it depends on what we're working on that day. Um, we'll do some five-on-five. Five. A lot of our defensive work is 4v4, working against specific actions. I might come in and say, and I'll say hey, today we're doing side ball screens. We're yellow everything. And we're gonna we're gonna protect against the spin action behind or the shake action behind. So for us, and then if I feel like we're not getting that backside drop playing four v four, I'll go five v five defensively, um, just to make sure we get that backside drop on. And and it's missed a lot. That third slide has missed a lot in high school, but even more so, we'll do advantage drills where we'll create the advantage where the defenders behind the offensive guy, and we'll work on baseline drops. And it depends on really what if we're four v four or four or five v five. And then offensively, it's always three possession most of the time, um, just so we can stop, fine tune, do the micro versus the macro. Um, this time of year, everything's micro for us. I would say the same thing. You know, I'm thinking back to high school. In high school, you've got a pretty good idea when the brackets come out. You've got a pretty good idea of what goes on in your classification. And, you know, you may never tell your players that what you're going to face in two weeks, but you can be working on the commonalities and doing those little micro things. So for us, you know, it's been boxing out and defensive transition. We're, we're really undersized this year due to a couple of different factors. So those things are, are really huge for us. And so we outnumbered both of those things today in practice. We didn't do it for very long, but we were really sharp about what we did. And I know that if we keep going through the playoffs, that's going to be the, the key factor that keeps us in games. For me, my answer for how much five on five would depend on we kind of either this time of year either did a 90 minute basketball only practice where, where I've got 90 minutes with my players on like a Thursday, let's say, if we're playing on a Friday 
on Wednesday, I would have two hour window. So uh, I, I might, because we're two days out, I might go 30 day, 30 minutes longer, just because we got another day of recovery, shorten it on Thursday, walk through type thing on, on game day. So for me, five on five, when we had a 90 minute practice would be about 12 minutes of tra- what I called our transition block at the beginning of our practice, right after dynamic warm up, stretching, movement, agility, stuff like that. We're going right to right to full court transition. Most of the time, especially at this time of the year, was 5v5. If we were in a day where we have two-hour practice, at my, I would probably do two, 20 minutes of that at the very beginning of practice. But that's just a big part of what we did was our transition O and, and, and flowing from transition to half-court O. And then also, you know, if you, you've got the defense who in turn is working transition defense and things like that all at the same time. At the end of practice, so typically my workflow is 5v5 transition block. Then we would adjourn, if you will, to do some, you know, maybe guard forward breakdowns. And then we would do one 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 on one, two on two, three on three, four on four. At the end of that, on some days, we might get all the way back up to five on five. For example, on Wednesdays, I try to at least once a week to go over some special situations, play a little special situation, best two out of three starters versus backups, or you know, this group versus that group, something like that, to review kind of when we're going to call a timeout, when we're going to foul, what are we going to do up three, down three, this and that baseline out of bounds, down one, things like that. Um, I would also sometimes if I knew kind of pretty with a certain degree of certainty there at the end, when we would go back up after two on two, three on three, four on four, five on five, if I knew we were going to play a team that played zone or that pressed and or pressed, either one. I like to work on it in five on five because I kind of think in both of those in your zone offense and presso, you kind of need all five parts to really get a decent picture. So I I tended to do that, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so at the end of practice to to get possessions where we're facing, whether it be a diamond press, a a 2-2-1, something like that. Or if we're going to play a zone team, like we know they play zone, they're going to play it the whole game. We would use that time to sort of brush up on Zio. I'll summarize everything with just a drill because probably coaches that are listening want something, drill, practice, something to take. So this is something that worked well for us. We've been working this week on about four or five different things, like really emphasizing four or five different things. So our drill today was we basically played three possessions. So we started with an out of bounds, so that helped us with our AT or uh, with our uh, blobs, and then they transitioned to the other end with one of our ATOs that we run, and then they came back. If they made the basket, then they worked on their press, which is something else that we've been working on for the postseason, and then they transitioned back into the half court. We've been working on half court and playing basically the right kind of defense with a young team, help whatever. So we basically transitioned back into five on five. Defense was focusing on the things that we worked on there. And then the offense was focusing on either another ATO or was just running our our half-court offense. And with all of that, transition offense has really been a key this entire week. And so we basically emphasize that anytime we switch sides of the floor. So typically somebody will say, well, we just run three possessions. Yeah, but what are you doing in the three possessions? Um, and I think that you can really emphasize, kind of use something like that to put together everything. And we have a game tomorrow, so we didn't want to just put 10 minutes on the clock and, all right, let's just play for 10 minutes and run up and down the floor and kill each other and be exhausted for our game tomorrow. So maybe that'll give some coaches some ideas on things. 
What's up, coaches? This is Travis here with 323 Sports, your top choice for custom team apparel and equipment needs. And right now, we have fully custom sublimated face masks starting as low as $5.95 per mask. That's right, guys, only $5.95 for a completely custom performance face mask to protect you and your players as you meet each week. We also have gaiters and over-the-head face masks. Whatever the style, we got you covered. So be sure to reach out to us by emailing sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with one of our professional reps. Again, that's sales at 323sports.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and don't forget to do it right. All right, so we're going to do something here. Um, this is a segment at the, the a new segment that we're going to be doing. It's called Beyond the Scoreboard, and this is presented by our newest sponsor, Sideline Interactive. You may be wanting to increase your revenue for your, your sports program or to improve your fan experience, or maybe it's just time to replace an old scoreboard that's been there since the late 90s. So Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer of scoring tables and video display boards for high schools and colleges around the country. You can find out more about Sideline Interactive at sidelineinteractive.com. I didn't want to prep the coaches for this beforehand because I want a genuine off-the-cuff so if you need to pause for a second, coaches, uh, and think about this before you split out, spit out your answer, then feel free. I'm going to start with an easy one, the one that everybody has been asking or everybody talks about every time it happens on television. Your team is up three with less than 10 seconds left. The other team is in the bonus. Do you foul and send them to the line, or do you play it out and risk giving up a three? So while you're thinking about that, or probably since it's something that you've already addressed before, I don't want you to just tell me the short answer, but maybe answer this in response to the team that you have this year. Um, or this, if it's something that it doesn't matter if it would any team that you ever had, it wouldn't ever change. That could be fine as well, but tell us that as well. So that's the scenario. What would you do? We're going to press up. We're not, we're going to, we're going to make you put it on the floor, attack the basket. Um, we're not going to give up the three. We're going to pressure you into a drive line. Plenty of help on the backside to make sure there's no throw out or kicks. But I'm, I'm not going to put you on the free throw line to get points. When I feel like if we do our job, we can defend. And if there's a missed shot, we can rebound and box out. But I'm not just going to put you on the line to give myself an opportunity to give you points. Mine's the same. And it's it's because Coach Fitzgerald started on Twitter a few years ago. He, he did foul or defend for a whole year and created a poll. And I was of that opinion. And... Once you lose that way once, um, like what Alan said, uh, your guy doesn't get a box out or it takes a freak bounce and they're able to get it and put it right back up. If you lose that way once, then it's going to stick in your crawl and you're going to you're going to try to defend from then on out. So uh, I have the same reasoning that he does. And I didn't always have that reasoning, but I, I become wiser through pain. Here's the next one. This one's a little bit longer. Okay, so let's just say that there's 12 seconds left in the game and your team is down four player. Your player is fouled. So you guys were down four and your player is fouled on a three-point attempt. So he goes to the line with your team down four. But the problem is he misses the first two attempts. Do you miss the third and try to get a tip in or get the ball back? Or do you go ahead and make the free throw and now you're down three? And there's still potentially the possibility of of getting the ball back, but you're down basically two possessions with 10 seconds left in the game. I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with make it and extend the game. Everybody's oh. in agreement with that one. That was not as hard as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that if if you're going to have that philosophy, I think you need to practice that. I mean, 
throw it, throwing in these situations during a game should never be, that's not a really winning strategy. And so if that is going to be your philosophy, either one of these, and you're going to stick with it, then, then you need to practice it. It's very hard to make special situations game-like in practice, but I think you've got to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's one that you, I'm sure already have a, have a, decision on some coaches don't i think this is one that we see it from time to time act out in college basketball games and people act like they would have done the same thing or done something differently but i question whether or not that's the case so your opponent scores with 12 seconds left and your team now is down two so it's 72 70 you're losing right now do you call a timeout and draw up a play or do you let them play for me it depends on our scout and our opponent in our scout, if it shows that out of a timeout, they might switch defenses or they're prone not to do that, we'll go ahead and attack. But if it shows that, you know, that they're going to maybe change defenses and really junk it up, we, you know, it, it goes on our scout. I mean, we, we really put a lot of time and effort into prep work. So we, we kind of know those answers before we get to that point. Would you maybe wait and call a timeout? after you get the ball in and bring it up half court, if you're like what you see maybe on the defense, defensive wise too. Yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll go other, a, jet, a jet call and we'll get it half court as quickly as possible and get the timeout. Does any of that change based off of the age of your team or not really? Yes, it yes. does for me. Okay. Are we talking late? Silly. Are we talking late season? Like this time of year, like late season? Yeah. Is that, let's that's talk like playoffs. Tonight, let's talk right? like, yeah. Let's talk like playoffs. At, I'm, I'm, the first time that I saw this happen was in 1999 with Duke and North Duke and Connecticut and Trajan Langdon and no timeout and to the basket. And for the last 25 years or however long that is, um, I'm anticipating it happening on a team that I coach. Actually, it did happen. It happened in the national championship game three years ago I'm, with Burton and I, now that I think about it. So I have I'm seen a, this twice in real life. I'm probably more like I'm, I hate timeouts. Like I wish basketball was like soccer. I I really do. Like if we had no timeouts, I'd be okay. I'd be totally fine with that. Like soccer. I think it would actually make coaches better coaches, just like a shot clock would make coaches better coaches because like you, now you got to address some things in practice that you can, that you can no longer joystick and 99% going to let my team play as a pressure man to man coach. I actually preferred when our opponents called the timeout because now it's 5v4 us. They got a girl inbound in the ball. And we're already denying aggressive and really an aggressive defensive team. Now we're five on four with you have to get the ball in. So you volunteer by calling the timeout. You voluntarily put yourself down 4v5 to get the ball in. So I, I think coaches overlook that and they think more about the play they're going to run when they get it in. They're going to think about who's going to get the shot. And you maybe didn't think enough about how it might be hard to kind of get it in unless there was some chaotic thing where the ball was loose. And and we're just, you know, like I, I might just like, OK, I need to call a timeout and steady the ship. But like ninety nine percent of the time, I I kind of let it go. This is the last scenario. It's tied to that. So you can kind of keep the same thought flow going. Um, same scenario down by two. It's a playoff game and it's on a neutral court. So I'm taking out the home away business that most people will bring into this conversation. Do you go for a two to tie it or do you go for a win or is it just go for an open shot? I, I'm going to get the, the, the most sure bucket. I'm not trying to shoot a three to win it. I'm going for what we can get, which is our best look. Our high, 
we talked about A's, B's, and C shots. We want an A shot with the game on the line, put it to overtime. Yeah, we have a we have pistol sets from from you know basically under ten seconds, and a pistol set will give you a three, a pick and a roll, a drive to the basket, weak side spotters. It will give you everything. The shake coming up from the back, and so you know I really feel like that set in transition. I don't care what they've scouted. There's so many things going and all of that that I really think something like that that gives you a, a lot of options. You know, we start off most of our practices with seven, five, three, one, and just going through that. And so that's that is their warm up. That's their dynamic warm up is going what we do with seven, what we do with five, three, and one, and they just do it every day. So they could grab the ball out of the basket and go. So let me finish with this. There are a lot of coaches, and part of the reason why I did that segment was because these things are often talked about on Twitter and everybody thinks that they know what they're going to do. But the responses that the three of you just gave me clearly showed that you're more solidified in what you believe when you actually have to go through it. And sometimes those things change after you face or encounter something that changes your mind on it or further solidifies what you or breaks your heart. (laughs) Yeah. So my question to you, the last thing, if in like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, the piece of advice that you would give to them Maybe something that you learned early on. It could be a, a huge thought. It could be a very specific thing. As they enter the playoff season, what piece of advice would you give for them in relation to practice, to games, whatever you want it is, or something that you wish somebody had told you or you would go back and tell yourself regarding this time of year and the preparation required to have success with your team in the playoffs? Mine's simple. You are who you are, so be who you are. I would echo what Alan said earlier, but make pressure decisions in non-pressure times. You should know before your first practice in October what you're going to do, and that's going to change. I mean, you may think you know, and and it may change, but you shouldn't be figuring out what you're going to do in February either. So make pressure decisions in non-pressure times. And one thing Morgan Wooten always said was part of your practice goal should be to break the the other team's practice habits. And so... Alan said he was working on a few wrinkles and, and doing that that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure that this isn't the first time that his guys have looked at those wrinkles, but it's what he's emphasizing right now. And so maybe if you play two, three zone, maybe you track the baseline when you don't normally and you just do that off of a, of a timeout. Last thing I would say is your special situations can get you easy points. So figure out a way to – Maybe just do your blobs out of a different alignment. If you do four across the baseline, start off at four across the free throw line and get into the exact same action or come out of a box set. Just do something that is easy for your guys to do, but is also uh, surprising for the other team. And I think just baseline out of bounds alignment is one simple way to do that. Based on my experience in the in the postseason, that when the pressure's on and it's eliminate, you know, win win and win advance, lose and go home, you're going to crutch or lean on your base stuff. You're going to have this thick long list of plays or whatever, but like when it when, what do you trust the most is your base stuff, the thing that your kids have been doing since junior high. That's what's going to get you to the next round. Wrinkles don't win championships. You're being extraordinarily good at your base stuff gets you to the next round. This is something I get from coaches, a question I get, like how do I balance sort of like looking ahead versus you get what I'm asking? Like we, we know if we win, we got to play to that team or that team. So, and it might be quick, like 
the next day or, or the, you know, two days and we got to travel 500 miles here in Texas to do it. You know, how do you balance the kind of like, don't focus on anything other than uh, the next opponent versus like, hey, man, when we win, we got Tuesday to get ready, Wednesday to practice, Friday to. I pre-gather. I gather all the information that I need, but I don't look at it until we handle our business, which is, you know, right in front of us. But I have all of that ready to go um, if that time comes. I don't look ahead by any means, but I definitely I'm prepared for when that time comes so we can lock in and get it done. There's something that we did this year that it was that I'm doing now. I kind of just hit it. It's a team effort, but it's uh, something that he had encouraged me to do a couple of years ago. We give it to our different captain captains groups. And so I actually handed these out today. We play a team on Thursday next week, and hopefully we win. And then we play again Friday, and then hopefully we play in the championship game on Saturday. And I already divvied out to the different groups. You're responsible for Friday's opponent. It's not actually me preparing for it. It's us preparing for it. I think in the few games that we've done it so far this year that it's worked a whole lot better, and especially for younger players, just so that they understand what goes into it. And so they're able to, they're better prepared for it and they hold each other, each other more accountable to it than when I, I'm the one that prepares for it anyways. They'll talk through it at practice. The way that we always want to have a player led team is why I started doing that. I started doing that in high school and I wasn't going to just leave it totally up to them in high school, but you want a player led team, you know, since they've started doing more of this this year, they will talk in practice while we're doing a drill. Maybe we're not on, on the end that they're on they'll start talking about this is what number 23 likes to do when he catches it. He just wants to catch and go. Those are little things that a coach wouldn't have in a scouting report exactly like that, but they're putting it in their own language and they're relaying it to their teammates. And, you know, we, we tuned our coaches out when we were in high school a little bit and our, our players tune us out. And I think they don't tune each other out quite as easily as they tune us out sometimes. Well, we'll go ahead and end it here so that coach Whitehurst can get back to scouting. Uh, yes, go ahead. Good luck, coach. Appreciate it. I appreciate all of those who joined us this week. For Randy Sherman, Alan Whitehart, and Burton Uaro, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next Friday on our next episode of Hoops Forum.